Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. On today's broadcast, Pastor John speaks from the subject of the Giving Connection. And now, here is today's message. One is uh, Matthew chapter 6. And the other is uh, a little tiny book of the New Testament, right after the book of Titus. So first and second uh, Thessalonians, first and second Timothy, Titus, and then a tiny little book called called whatever you want to call it. It's the craziest looking name you've ever seen. But Philemon um, is there, and we're going to be. It's only one chapter long. We're going to be in um, in verses four through seven. So if you want to put your put your markers there, hold it. There, we will be there in just a moment. Lord, I pray that you would add your blessing, your illumination to your word this morning. Your word's always, always going to accomplish what it set out to accomplish. And Lord, I just pray that it accomplished that in my life. Lord, that you change me, my heart, my, my decisions, my attitudes, my beliefs, change them to line up with your word today. I thank you. And praise you for your word and for its effect in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, Valerie and I did something we almost never do. Last week, for some reason, we watched 2020. And it was an episode about Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, of all, of all things. I don't know if any of y'all saw that. Uh, they're apparently making a Broadway musical about Tammy Faye. That's why this has come back up in the news cycle. I have no idea why anybody would want to go watch that, but apparently that's a thing. So we watched this thing, and, um, and, and, and Jim and Tammy Faye, if, you're not, if you don't remember, if you're not old enough to remember, you're welcome. That's good. But they are among the original televangelists, among the original people from, I didn't realize they went this far back, the late 60s. And, and the 70s and 80s, of course, and Jim's still on TV now. Uh, but they were among the first to recognize the power of the medium of television to spread the gospel. And so they got involved initially to do that. Unfortunately, as happened to many of those early pioneers in television, they also soon realized that television was a medium to make lots and lots of money. And so because of their gross mismanagement of funds, because of their really their careless treatment of the Word of God, because of their lack of accountability and oversight, and, and really their thinly veiled attempts at spiritual and emotional extortion, um, it, it caused a problem for the church. The topic of money has really been sort of radioactive since, since the 80s and 90s because of these scandals that kept popping up. Their hyper-focus on money uh, made every minister of the gospel suspect. Um, and, and you hear it frequently said, even today, about churches and about ministries. You hear it said all the time, well, all they care about is money. Have you heard that before? I won't ask you if you've said that before. Uh, most of the time, that's not the case. Honestly, the vast majority of the, of the time, that's not the case. But the exceptions get highlighted and they get publicized to the point that, uh, that it poisons the subject, the topic for everybody. The fact of the matter is the Word of God has a lot to say about money. 
If you read the Bible, you're going to read a lot about money. If you're going to be a healthy, growing disciple of Jesus Christ, then you have to find out what the Word says about money, and you have to put that, that Word, that teaching, into practice in your life. That's just the way, if you're a growing disciple, that's what you have to do. And no matter how tainted the subject might be because of its misuse by, by uh, other people, we can't disconnect that subject from the life of a believer. It, we, you can't ignore it. You can't ignore what the Word says about it. You can't put it in a box and, and isolate it from the bigger conversation of discipleship. Giving is connected to being a follower of Jesus. And so today, as we do every year about this time for the last several years, we're going to talk about some of what the Word says about money. There's no way to cover everything in one teaching because there's just too much. So we're going to talk some about what the Word says about giving. And specifically, we're going to talk today about the giving connection. The giving connection. I want us to see how giving can't be separated from the other parts of our lives as disciples and servants of Jesus. That giving is connected to other stuff. Now, at this point, a lot of times ministers will, and I have in the past, tried to, tried to lessen the, soften the word a little bit, lessen the, the, the discomfort a little bit, and say, hey, listen, there's a lot of ways to be generous. And, and we talk about, oh, you can be generous with your time, and you can be generous with your talent, you can be generous with your love and your kindness, and we should. That's all true. But can I be bold enough today to say this? Today I'm not talking about all of that. I am talking today about giving money. Now why is that, John? Because there is nothing so closely connected to a person as their money. You, and you know that's true by how the air leaves the room when we zero in on the subject of money. It's a sensitive topic. It, it, people get testy about it. People get angry about it. But, it, but if, you, if you can't allow the light of the Word of God to shine into your most sensitive and personal areas, then Jesus may not be on the throne of your heart. Amen. And I want to show you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Jesus said, No one can serve two masters, for you'll either hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and, and despise the other. And, and, and because that's kind of, just kind of generic, then he gets really specific. Jesus said, you can't serve both God and money. You just can't. So that's why I have to preach on this. That's why we have to talk about giving money. Because Jesus said our relationship with money works against our relationship with him. That the more we love our money, the less we love Jesus. That's what he said. The more we love Jesus, then the less connected we are to our money. That we can only serve one or the other and not both. So we can't keep money in a box as if it's a separate topic from the other ways that we grow as disciples of Jesus. Giving is connected to every other area of our life with Jesus. Most of the time, or, or yeah, mo most of you know this, that you know that I grew up poor. And that growing up poor made me stingy. This has, this has been an area, this, this grace of giving has been an area that I've had to grow in intentionally. But here's what I've learned. Not only does, uh, do, do stingy people have a problem uh, giving, but stingy people also have a problem receiving. 
At least that's been my experience. You can't get anything out of them, but you can't get anything to them either. It's, it's a pride issue. At least it was for me. And it's, it's not just a financial issue either. It's connected to every other area of our lives. So I know from personal experience that if you want to grow as a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you want to be able to receive not only his blessing, but his, his guidance, his, his revelation, his understanding, if you want to be in intimate relationship with Jesus, then you've got to surrender every part of your life to him. And part of that is what the word says about giving, because it's all connected. It's all connected. So let's look at what the Word says uh, about this giving connection. First of all, giving is connected to faith. Giving is connected to faith. So in this, in this little book, Philemon, verse 6, this is what it says. And I am praying, this is a letter of the Apostle Paul to this man. He says, I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. I'm praying, Paul is praying for Philemon, that he will put into action the generosity that comes from his faith as he understands and experiences all the good things we have in Christ. Did you see what Paul said to this man? He said, listen, the more you know and understand about the good things we have in Christ, the more your faith is naturally going to grow. And then the more your faith grows, the more generously you will naturally give. The more, gen the more generosity will naturally be the result in your life. Because giving is connected to faith. The more faith a person has, the more generous they become. So what is it about knowing and understanding the good things that, that, that Christ has for us? What is it about knowing those good things that make us generous? Well, let's go back to the scripture that we just read in Matthew. The statement that Jesus made about serving two masters is part of a much larger conversation. And we're going to look at all of it, uh, it by the end of the message. But, uh, but let's pick up in this passage just the next verse from what it was he said. So we read Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. This is verse 25. That is why I tell you not to worry. This is Jesus. Why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothes? Amen. Jesus said, listen, you can't, in verse 24, you can't serve both God and money. So trust God, he's saying in this verse, trust God to meet your physical needs, your food, your clothing, your shelter. Trust God so you won't have to trust money. Because when you trust money, the problem with trusting money is there is no, there's no amount of money that's enough. Amen. There's no amount of money where you feel secure enough that everything's good. So you can trust money to provide your needs, but you still have to worry about it. You still have to think about it. Is it enough? Will something happen? Will I lose it? Will somebody steal it? What's, what's going to happen? So well, you need to let your faith in God kick money off the throne of your heart because your faith in money still leaves you worrying but your faith in God to provide your needs not only takes care of the needs but it also frees up your mind to be focused on more important things because as believers we should have some things on our minds that nobody else in the world has and that's the kingdom of God if we're all, if we're so consumed with worry 
about our physical things, who is going to mind the spiritual things of the world? As a matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus said in this same conversation, Matthew 6, verses 31 through 33. Jesus is wrapping up this conversation. He said, so don't worry about these things, what you're going to eat, drink, and wear. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But you, your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. So here's the famous, the famous scripture. So seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. King, most of us memorize the King James, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. The promise to provide for us is one of those good things we have in Christ. And this knowledge increases our faith, and then that increase of faith will overflow into generous giving because faith and giving are connected. There's lots of scriptures to back this up. We don't have time to even begin to talk about all of them. But let's talk about just a couple. God uh, prepared the children of Israel for the promised land by giving Moses the law, the Ten Commandments and the, other, and the other parts of the law. Part of that law was teaching them to give the first of the flocks, the first of the fruits, because he wanted them to live by faith in God. When you give the first, there's no promise that there's going to be any more. Right? When, when your lamb gives birth to a little baby lamb, there, there's, there's no promise that she will ever give birth to another one. When you give the first of the fruits of the tree, the first crops, the first of the produce of the field, then there's no promise in the, in the natural that you'll ever get any more off there. The, the, the varmints might, varmint, y'all, under, y'all with me on varmints? Y'all been in Harrison County long enough? The varmints might steal the produce. The, there might be some sort of pestilence, some sort of disease, some sort of drought. You just, that's why it's a walk of faith. It required faith to God as the provider for their needs and not for those crops or for those, uh, those, those cattle. How did Jesus teach us to pray? He's our Father who art in heaven. And you get down to the middle of it, he says, give us today, right, our daily bread. He wanted us to recognize our dependence upon him for every need. It's a faith walk. It's a faith walk. We should give out of our abundance, for sure. But our lack should never prevent us from giving. Somebody told me a few weeks ago, they said, Oh, Pastor, when God blesses me financially, I'm going to be such a generous giver. I said, Listen, don't wait until then. Don't wait that long. Generosity is is not a dollar amount. It's not a function of how large the budget is. Generosity is this mindset about whose money it is that you have in your account in the first place. It's this recognition that, you, that you're going to give, no matter how big or how small, that you're going to look for ways to be generous because that's what, that's what disciples of Jesus do. The, the, God responds to faith. As a matter of fact, Romans, the book of Romans says that without faith, it's not even possible to please God. Faith is what pleases God. So let's look at Abraham. Was he a man of faith? I would say so. He left a secure family business to go somewhere that God wouldn't even tell him. God just said, go, I'll show you when you get there. That's faith. He took his, own, his only son up the, up the mountain to sacrifice to God. And he believed that if he had to sacrifice his own son, he had enough faith to believe that God would raise him from the dead and restore him to life. 
So over and over again in, in Abraham's life, he demonstrated his faith in God. So guess who was the first person in the Bible to tithe? Let's look at Genesis chapter 14. First mention of the tithe in all of the Bible, Melchizedek blessed Abram, which was Abraham's name before God changed it, with this blessing. Blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth, and blessed be God most high who has defeated your enemies for you. Then Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of all the goods he had recovered. He was the, Abraham was not only a man of faith, but he was, he was a man of generous giving as well. So if you're a person of faith, like Abraham was, you will be a generous giver, like Abraham was. As a matter of fact, one of the ways that you can tell a person's faith is growing is by looking at the way they give. You say, no, John, you hang on. You've crossed the line here, buddy. You can't tell from the outside if someone is a person of faith. That is a personal and private and internal issue. Let's look at James chapter 2. So you see, faith isn't enough by itself. Unless it produces good deeds, then faith is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Giving is one of the primary ways for a believer to demonstrate that they have faith. It, it's, a, it's a declaration of independence of sorts from having money as your master. You're seeking first the kingdom of God, and you are trusting him to give you everything else you need after that. Giving is clearly connected to faith. Here's the second thing. Giving is also connected to love. It's also connected to love. Let's look back at the same passage from Philemon. Let's look at, the, at, at verses 4 through 7 now. We read, we read verse 6. Let's, let's read the rest of it. Uh, I thank God. I, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord, Jesus, and your love for all God's people. And here's the verse we just read, and I'm praying that you'll put into action the generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, for your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. So Paul said, not only is your faith growing, but so is your love. He said, I hear about it everywhere I go. And I'm believing, God, that your faith and your love will motivate you to give as well. Here's the principle. Not only does true faith naturally lead to generosity, but true love does as well. As a matter of fact, love and, and giving are so tied together, it doesn't even matter which one comes first. Look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world. He loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in Him won't perish but have eternal life. Because God loved, He gave. You, his love motivated His generosity. You cannot love some, someone or something, truly love them, without giving. But look at what Jesus also said, again, back in Matthew chapter 6, part of this same conversation. Verse 21, this is what Jesus said, Wherever your treasure is, the desires of your heart will be there too. Wherever your treasure is, 
the desires of your heart will be. Where, wherever your treasure is, your heart's going to follow. So whatever you give to, you're going to love. You can give your way to loving, or you can love your way to giving, but you can't do one without the other. They always go together. Why do you think God's so concerned about, uh, about our giving? Because 1 John says that God is love. And giving and loving are connected. So if we're going to be true disciples of Jesus, we have to be givers and lovers. Because you can't do one without the other. Now, I've used this analogy before, so if you've heard this, heard me say this, then uh, please accept my apologies. But this is just clear. I think everybody can understand this, okay? So we are in the South, and college football is king in the South. Will y'all not say amen to that, too? Somebody? Yeah, okay. So people say, people say, man, I sure do love my Georgia Bulldogs. I mean, not everybody says that. I mean, like godly, intelligent people say that other people less spiritual people say different things <clears throat> but you know I, that's a different message for a different day so you hear people say I love my, I love my bulldogs here's, here's the dipstick to measure the depth of their love you got any Georgia gear you got hats you got shirts you got tags you got bumper stickers you got all, you, you know all, all that stuff you got any of that stuff do you do you go to the games do you buy tickets because here's the thing if you don't spend any money on the bulldogs i'm not sure how much you really love the bulldogs because your love is going to motivate you to give amen said the auburn fan down here my brother, on the other hand, sent his two daughters to the University of Georgia. Both of them graduated from there, four or five years in Athens. Um, he, he, you know, off-campus housing, food, gas, back-and-forth trips to home. Do you think my brother likes the Bulldogs? No. My brother loves the Bulldogs. He loves them. Why? Because his treasure is in Athens, Georgia. He gave his way to loving the Georgia Bulldogs. He gave up some things in order to provide this opportunity. He gave sacrificially for his girls because he loved his girls, and that motivated him eventually to also love the Georgia Bulldogs. Now listen, you can, you can say you love God all you want to, but if you never give to his kingdom, Amen. it'd be really hard to prove I'm not talking about throwing a 20 in every, every once in a while or th even throwing a 100 in every once in a while. I'm talking about giving to the point of sacrifice on a regular basis. What T.D. Jake says, if you don't feel it going out, you ain't going to feel it coming in, right? Y'all calm down. That was T.D. Jake. Y'all don't amen me that much. Um, if you regularly and sacrificially give into the kingdom of God, you already know what it does to your heart. You already know. And you know what? I've figured it out finally. Once I finally trusted God enough to make a giver out of me. Once you do that, you begin to love and care about the things of God. You say, but John, hang on now. I, I know people who love God but don't give. Listen, if they really love God, they will. It's just a matter of time. You will find a way to give to what you love. It's a natural outgrowth of love. 
Or you say, well, wait a minute, on the other side, John, I know people who give their tithe to their church every week, and they're just mean as the devil. Thank you for not calling names out loud. Remember, we're not talking about giving to the church. We're talking about giving to God. That's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. There's a difference. Some people give to the church and other organizations out of a desire to control or manipulate. That's not, that's not what we're talking about. People who understand biblical giving realize that when you give, you're giving to God through the church. Your love is for Him and for the kingdom. You may not be able to stand me, but if this is where God's placed you, then this is where He's called you to give to His kingdom through. So it's not about me or about the church or about anything else. It's about you and God. Giving can't be separated from the rest of our development as believers, as followers of Jesus. Giving's connected to faith and giving's connected to love. And here's the last point. Giving is connected to eternity. Giving's connected to eternity. Chapter 6 of Matthew is an incredible chapter. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount and it's incredibly challenging because it's all about motive. It's all about motive. Jesus, said, in the first part of that chapter, talks about, he talks about giving, he talks about praying, he talks about fasting. All of those are typically, you, you typically think anybody who does those things are good people. Those are good things, prayer and fasting and giving. But Jesus came to set everybody straight about those things. He said motive matters. It's not enough to just do them. Why you do them is important. He said if you're praying to impress people, and man, I know some people that can just flat pray, right? So he said, if you're praying to impress people, or if you're fasting to appear holy, or if you're giving to try to demonstrate how generous you are to everybody, then you're wasting your time, Jesus said. And he said, God is not impressed. Amen. As a matter of fact, Jesus said, you get no spiritual benefit for praying or fasting or giving if you have the wrong motive. With that in mind, the next verse, so that was, that was Matthew 6, 1 through 18. The very next verse is when, when Jesus begins to try to correct the mentality. So why should we give? Matthew 6, verse 19. Don't store up treasures here on earth, Jesus said, where moths and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal them, or nowadays electronically or whatever. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. And then here's how this is beginning to connect. Because where your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be as well. See how all this is connecting? Jesus is teaching them, God's allowed you to earn uh, money and you can put it in an earthly treasure if you want to. You can put it in earthly investments if you want to. But when you do, you run the risk of losing it or somebody stealing it from you or, or, or whatever. Jesus said, another, the other thing you can do with what God's blessed you with is to actually invest your earthly wealth in heaven. He said you can make eternal deposits because giving is about eternity. I hear a lot of pastors talk about giving and they talk about it in terms of the blessings of God that he is going to give you on this earth. It's, it's almost presented as an investment strategy. 
right? You give in the offerings, God, God's going to give it back, pressed down, shaken together, running over, right? You, and you, everybody gets excited about that. And they're like, hey, it's not even a sacrifice. You just have to give first. And then you're always going to get back more than you give. And it's this, it's this give to get mentality that bothers me because motive matters. Motive matters. I mean, does God bless us when we give? Absolutely. But is that the reason we give? Absolutely not. Because motive matters. We give because we love God. We give because we have the faith to believe that he's going to take care of us. But most importantly, we give with eternity in mind. It takes money to spread the gospel, so we give. It takes money to feed the poor in the name of Jesus, so we give. It takes money to provide for the widows and the orphans, so we give. And we give it not because we expect to get it back on the earth. We give because it's the right thing to do. And we give because it affects people's eternity. We give because we understand that every time we give, God is keeping track of it. And he's giving us credit in our heavenly accounts. That's what the Bible says. We are literally affecting the way we're going to spend eternity when we give. Listen, being blessed with a raise or an unexpected bonus or something when we give, that's great. And man, it happens all the stinking time because you, it's true that you can't outgive God. It's just a fact. He's just generous. That's why he wants us generous because we look like him. Amen. But, but, but to know that when we get to heaven, we get to see all the people who are in heaven because we gave... To, to think that we're going to get to see the multiplied effects of our giving on the harvest of this earth? Man, that's not even the good stuff. That's the best stuff. That's the best stuff. Treasures that we can enjoy for eternity. If you're only given, giving because of the promise of earthly blessings, you're missing the best part of giving. Giving is connected to eternity. So today I'm going to give you the opportunity to respond to this message in a, in a tangible way. And no, I'm not going to harass you for an offering. The, the, on, the, on the seat back pocket in front of you, at, behind all the envelopes, there's a little, a little white card. It looks like a blank white card, but if, you'll, if you will get it out, turn it over. This, if you've been here for a while, then you know what this is. This is our 90-day tithe challenge, our 90-day giving challenge. So if you will, grab that card and just hold it in your hand. Nothing bad's going to happen. We don't have LoJack on them to know whether you took them or not. Everything's good. You say, John, so what is this? Some kind of contract with the church? Lord, no, it's not some kind of contract with the church. This is an opportunity for you to make a commitment to God. There's something about writing it down that makes it feel real. Okay. No, we're not going to hold these and check your, check your giving record. And if you miss a payment, we're going to send you an invoice. It's not, that, that's not this at all. This is simply about a way for you to connect with God about, about what he's already dealing with your heart about it. It's just a commitment between you and him that for the next 90 days, you're going to operate in faith that he'll provide for you. That for the next 90 days, you're going to express your love for him and for, the, for his work. That for the next 90 days, you're going to store up treasures in heaven, even if it means giving up something on earth. And if you will prayerfully consider 
joining us in this, then you just fill this card out. And on your way out today, there, there are boxes at each door, and the giving boxes, and you can just drop, drop it in the, it fits in the slot. You just drop it on in there. And you're just saying, John, I'm, I'm just going to, for the next 90 days, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to commit to doing this. And I'm, the only reason I'm asking you for any information is so that I can pray for you and so that I can send you some encouragement through email or through text or how, whatever information you give. Because this is a spiritual issue. And any time a person steps out and makes a spiritual commitment, then the enemy also ramps up the spiritual warfare in your life. So if you want to think about it, pray about it, talk to a, a spouse about it, talk to a trusted friend, you're just like, I'm just not sure about this, do whatever you need to do. This is not about me or us as a church. This is about you and God. Because giving's connected to discipleship. So whenever you want to bring these back, you drop it right on there in the, um, in the, in the giving boxes, and then I'll start sending you, just sending you some encouragement, some scripture, uh, telling you I'm praying for you, all of that kind of thing, because this is about becoming a disciple of Jesus. Now, while you're thinking about it, there are a few questions that people generally ask. Uh, some giving questions that come up over and over again. So if I can answer those real quick, it might save us all some time. People ask, can I tithe however much I want? And the answer to that is no. The tithe is exactly 10%. That's literally what the word means. So it's a biblical concept. So I have no authority to change the meaning of the word. So it is 10%. Anything more than that or less than that is an offering. So if you make $1,000, the first $100 is the tithe. Now, if you give $50, that's an offering. If you give $150, the $100 is the tithe, $50 is an offering. Okay? And you just designate it as such on the giving envelopes, or if you use the app, then you can do it there as well. People also ask, well, can I tithe anywhere I want to? No. The Bible, again, is very clear. It says in Malachi chapter 3 that you bring the tithe to the storehouse. The storehouse is the local church where you get your spiritual nourishment. So if you attend this church and this is where you're fed, then your tithe should come here. If you're a guest with us today and you attend a different church, you go somewhere else, you should give your tithe there, wherever your storehouse is. So no, you can't just divide it up among your favorite TV preachers. That's not the storehouse. So that, you, you just bring it to the storehouse in the local church, wherever it is that helps, that helps nourish you spiritually. Here's the age-old question. Do I give tithe on my gross or do I give it on my net income? Valerie and I give ours based on our, let me get this right, gross income. The income before taxes. So we give our tithe even on what the government takes from our checks. I believe that's the, the, the most, that's the closest to the intent of Scripture. But if you, it was a very different economic system that was in the Bible days as, as compared to ours. So if you don't agree with me, and, and it's, that's between you and the Lord, perfectly fine. You can, you can tithe on your net. Feel free to do that. Remember, though, that if you do that, you also need to tithe on your income tax return because that's money that would have been in your check had the government not taken a little more than they were supposed to out of your check, okay? There's another, I've gotten some questions this week about um, government support, financial aid, and, and things like that. T the tithe is, um, is on what the Bible calls your increase. 
That's money that comes into your house to help you pay the bills. If it's a, if it's a loan, that's not increase. You're going to pay that back. So you don't tithe on loans. If it's, if it's for a specified purpose, if it's money for school, then it needs to go to school. If it's money for groceries, for food, you need to buy your food with it. As a matter of fact, in some cases, if you use it for any other, if for any other purpose, it's fraud. We do need to minister in jail, but not from the inside. So let's don't do that. All right. If you've got any other like specific questions, it, I, I appreciate your heart at trying to do what what the right thing is. But I'll be happy to help you try to try to get some clarity if I can. Um, but you have to be careful in those situations. Here's the last one, John. If I don't come to church, do I still have to give my tithe? Um, your giving is an agreement between you and God, not between you and the church. So if you're on vacation or on a business trip or, or you're, you only go to church once or twice a month, your giving is based on what God has blessed you with in terms of income, not on how many times you go to church. Okay? So we have giving envelopes that have the, uh, the return address on it. So you can drop a check in the mail. You, can, you have online giving from our website. We have a giving app that you can, so you can download and you can give from anywhere. Valerie and I have set it up on recurring giving so that every, every Wednesday I get an email that says, thank you for giving to Covenant Life. And in a couple of days, it comes out of our account. It's automated. And, and we just know that that's what we do. You should keep up with it and make sure you know that's coming out. But we know that's how we give. So whatever it is that makes that easier for you to stay consistent in your commitment with the Lord, we want to be able to help you do that. The fact of the matter is, giving is connected to discipleship. So I'm simply challenging you today, asking you today, if you would consider making that connection today. Why don't you stand with me, please? We're going to pray. And just, just like we do every week, we're going to pray. And we're not just going to pray about responding to the, uh, the message. So don't think anytime, no matter what I preach, don't think that if you come to the altar that people are going to think you got a problem with money or if I preach on sin that you got a problem with sin or whatever it is, you can come to the altar and pray about anything for any reason. And I will meet you in this altar, altar and I will pray with you myself. Members of the prayer team are ready to pray with you as well. So the, the worship team is going to come back. We're going to sing one last song together. And if you want to come and, and pray, we will pray with you here. If you don't, then let's just worship the Lord one more time together. You've been great worshiping today. Thank you so much for doing that. And we'll be dismissed together in just a moment. Let's pray, Father. We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.